0: Hi, my name is Juliette, and I'm the host for this podcast. I will be ordained as a rabbi come January. You can learn all about me and my path and my offerings. I also offer spiritual direction. And if you don't know what that is, please go check it out on my website, lnegditamid.us.us. That's lnegditami dus and uh i want to tell you first about a little bit about judaism in case you don't know and uh how i love to talk about the weekly parshas we have we have a calendar where there's a specific portion uh that's read of the torah every week of the year throughout the year and we're actually coming to the end of that cycle um even though we've just passed the jewish new year we're coming to the end of the torah reading this coming Monday, no Tuesday, um, and I'm going to explain a little bit about that, a lot about that, actually, today in my podcast in this episode. So let me get started uh, with Asimcha Simcha and B'zot Habracha. I was remember, I was remembering how confused I was when I first learned that the Jewish New Year does not mark the beginning of a new Torah cycle and in fact the preparation for the new year and the ending of the old seems to blend into each other like I don't know I was picturing a watercolor painting where you can't see the edges of objects or people clearly or like concentric circles that overlap in so many places all the talk of transformation starts with Elul, the month, the, the whole a whole lunar month before Rosh Hashanah. And then comes Yom Kippur, and suddenly we're in the week of Sukkot. And it's not until the end of Sukkot, marked by two days of prayer, Shemaniyat Atzeret and Simchas Torah, um, that we end and begin the Torah cycle. Um, it's not even on Shabbat, of this week, that we read the very last Parsha, but on Simcha's Torah, the holiday of the joy of Torah. The simcha, a simcha is joy, so this is the joy of Torah. Um, it isn't on that day when we dance with the Torah joyfully and into the night, twirling and stomping and jumping, that we read the last Parsha, Zota HaBracha along with the first chapters of Genesis, all about creation. Um, so we're really mixing the end and Moses' Moses's death uh, and, and the people, the, the Israelites crossing over the Jordan River into the promised land. And so it's, it's also a new beginning, right? It's, it's very interesting. It's also true that Moses has been preparing to die for a long, long time. How many times has he announced that he will not be allowed to cross over the Jordan into the promised land? How many times has he repeated the teachings from God to the Israelites as he prepares them for their new life across the river, like a nervous parent who can't let go? How many times has he said that he will soon die? I don't have an answer to how many times. I just know that I've been writing about it and talking about it over and over again for weeks and weeks on end. And I wonder if Moses is afraid to die, if he's afraid to leave all this undone stuff, all these annoying stiff-necked people, as annoying as they are, if he's afraid to leave them, he's led them for so many decades, so many decades. Here he is 120 years old because he was a young man, remember, when he started. So um, even if Moses, unlike the Israelites, has complete faith at this point, he's still going into the unknown. And maybe that's how life always goes. We're excited about a new path we've been pursuing for years. The moment arrives and we're stepping into the unknown. No matter how much preparation we've had, we still wonder, do I know this stuff? Am I fully prepared? I've been thinking a lot lately about my own rabbinic ordination and occasion of simcha of joy and the fact that I will soon be officially stepping into a new role in my life in just a few months and what am I stepping into how much more do I need to learn am I really prepared how much time do I have to develop this role because even though I'm ending my studies it doesn't mean I know everything I still have so much more to learn and coming from the background, I come from where I grew up with no religion whatsoever. Um, I grew up in a Jewish home where, maybe you've heard me talk about this before, where I was, we were culturally Jewish. If you know about this, it's a it's a thing that only Jews seem to have. We're culturally Jewish, even though it's, it's very confusing. Judaism is a religion, but we say, no, it's a culture. Well, it's a tribe, and that's part of it, right? And yet, even that, even those lines are are getting... Um, blurred uh, like a watercolor because what does it mean to be a part of the tribe so many of us grew up thinking that we were a part of this this tribe that we, our lineage went all the way back to, to the beginning of Judaism um, but mm, as we can tell we don't all look the same we don't have the same skin color and the same features and even that has been challenged so The blurring of lines. Um, So not knowing and and coming back to not knowing for myself, how I am meant to serve, who am I meant to serve? How do I build up that clientele or that? It's a weird word to use clientele. Well, yes, for spiritual direction, I have, I have clients, that's true. But you know, I'm serving as a rabbi, this is a this is a life of service and I, I i cried about this to a friend the other day i was literally crying thinking about wondering where what, what is my path where am i going who's who are who are the people that i'm meant to serve because i don't seem to have found them yet i found a few but not like you know not in a big way um so i was crying to my friend about it and she said you have your whole life to, to do this, to be a rabbi. And I replied, no, not my whole life. I'm already 60. To which she replied, "You okay, you have the whole rest of your life. To which I replied, yes. And I don't know how long that will be. It could be a day. It could be a month. It could be a year. I hope it, it will be decades. But one never knows even when we're even if if i started out younger you still never know and i was talking to someone else today who shared her anxiety this is actually a, a a spiritual direction client of mine who shared her anxiety around her parents impending deaths and their one is almost 80 the other one is already in his 80s and their refusal to deal with their house and I mean, they're in good health, but again, like they're getting older, and um, they regularly joke about the proximity of the cemetery where they will be buried, which is right down the hill. And they say, "Oh, when we die, all you'll have to do is roll us down the hill. It's going to be so easy!" ha ha ha. But then, her mother became angry, threatening to leave the room when she, the daughter. Tried to talk to her about death in a serious way and about dealing with her house and obviously there are good ways and not so good ways to approach it maybe it wasn't the right moment she recognized she acknowledged but still you know people are afraid to talk about that, this about death and instead of talking about about death they the, they like to give the example of the previous owner's of their house who whose family got a dumpster and literally threw everything out the windows into the into the garbage and um this this woman said they act like it will be simple to bury them but they're leaving an entire house full of stuff and it's not only thoughtless it's wasteful and ecologically irresponsible and when I asked if they might be afraid of dying, even though they are deeply religious, she considered this for a moment. And as much as her mother joked about coming back to give her lots of signs and to watch over her, it was more like watching her with a comical kind of wave of the finger. I wondered how deep her parents' faith was at the core. Not to, not to question their religiosity, but if we really look at our faith, even if we are religious people, even if we believe that, that there's some kind of life for the soul after we die, we don't really know. We don't really know. So what did they, I wanted to know, really think would happen after they died? Maybe nothing. Maybe the, they would completely cease to exist which is a scary thought for us human beings. And if we knew for sure that we would come back and visit, wouldn't it be easier to face leaving? And yet that, the, those words and those actions show a lack of faith that we will be coming back, that they will be coming back. So like, for example, when someone moves away, don't we promise we'll come visit just to lighten the blow, even when we suspect in our hearts that we won't, right? I mean, who hasn't done that? Of course, I'll come in to visit you. Oh, no, 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 this is not goodbye. This is only so long, right? And just as hard, we don't know how long we have. We constantly gauge decisions that we make based on expected time limits. Like I almost didn't start, I, I, I might've decided not to start studying to be a rabbi at 53 years old because wow, I mean, I would be 60 by the time I'm finished. And that is in fact, what is happening. And yet people said to me, yeah, but you're going to turn 60 no matter what, right? But it feels courageous. It it was courageous. It feels courageous when you see somebody start something new late in life. So now getting to the holidays or getting back to the holidays during Sukkot, we are commanded to eat and sleep in a sukkah, which is a precarious structure that remembers the days in the desert. When we could see the sky at night through our temporary homes, um, you put the stuff on the top called schach. It's like, you know, leaves from branches. Uh, yeah. And, and you're supposed to be able to see the stars through the sky. It's a joyful time of awareness that we have solid structures to live in now. But it's also mixed with sadness of the memory of hard times. And it also brings to mind the fact that there are many living with housing insecurity today. Maybe they're actually living on the street and they actually see the stars at night. Um, Or maybe they are not sure if they will have a house to live in tomorrow. And so they're living in a very precarious, speaking of precarious structures, they're living in a very precarious present and it's also interesting to me that a Yisker service, when, which is when we remember those who have gone before us, those who have died, is worked into the end of Sukkot. We don't only have a Yisker service um, on Yom Kippur. We have one on Shemini Tzeret, right before Simchas Torah. And then immediately we enter into the new Torah cycle with a sense of great joy and celebration. We go from sadness to joy. And I remember learning in one of my classes in rabbinical school last year um, that there there were there have been rabbis, there have been uh, groups of people, I suppose, that would and maybe still today I can't remember, and um, in, in maybe in another in other parts of the world that actually combine these two days of services into one of prayers into one where you have. You have the Yisker service, and then you immediately go into into the Sirkhas Torah celebration and reading the end and the beginning of, of the Torah. So there's joy and sadness that mix, that's mixed together. In a yes in a Yisker service, we also recite Psalm ninety with the phrase, "Limnot yamenu kein hoda v'navi levav chachma. And it, uh, did I say that? Yes. And it's a little complicated to translate. I was really trying to take apart these words because it's been trans- translated in various ways. But it, it, I don't know, I have to ask an expert, but it doesn't look grammatically really like it all goes together. So, but it basically says teach us to count our days so that we know, that we may know like a prophet. Or so that we may know like a prophet who has, and that it ends with a heart of wisdom. Basically, we should measure our days and be smart about how we use our time. We ask for a heart of wisdom, one that knows how to treasure the present. Because unlike a prophet, we cannot see see to the end of our days. We need these reminders because it's hard to let go. As the Torah and Moses shows us, the past mixes with the present and the future. It goes in cycles, like like concentric circles, blending into and overlapping with each other, like I said before. The new also is not always or only joyful. Definitely not. I mean, we can think of the birth of a child. It may be joyful. um, It may be a wanted baby, but it's hard. And, and that's if the baby is healthy and wanted, right? And the end is not always or only sad when somebody dies. It's not necessarily, we can be sad because, because this was an important person in our life, but it may be time for them to go because they were sick. And um, so that it could be a relief also very easily Um, And sometimes we are truly relieved when things end. And sometimes we are really unhappy when something new starts. So the end is not only the end and the beginning is not only the beginning. They mix together. And we each at the center barely know where we are. And we certainly don't know where we're going. I'm leading baby naming this Sunday for a baby born right in the middle of the cycle of holidays after Rosh Hashanah, just a couple of days before Yom Kippur. And so so her birth came at the beginning, right with the beginning, the the, the, the a mixing of the past and the future and the sadness and the joy all mixed together, reminding us of the continuous cycle of life and death and love that never ends. And this beautiful baby has come into a very precarious world of many unknowns for for her future or for its future, the, the future of the world. But the fact that her family will be gathered around to support her on her journey and they will be carrying with them a heritage of deep faith and culture. This is significant, and she actually symbolizes a new world because one of her parents is Jewish and the other one is not, and comes from a very rich Chinese culture, Chinese Malaysian actually, and and Christian, and and so they both and they're both v- yeah just deep deep faiths and and of, of rich heritage, and it's significant that they will be there to support her. So I want to bless her. And also bless us all that we acquire a heart of wisdom to understand that our days are numbered and to know in what ways we can serve to assure a joyful future for all on earth. May, may we find our way in every sense of the word, in every, sense of the, in every sense, and may we deepen our faith that we can handle this unknown just as our ancestors did. Thank you for being with me today. Good Yantiv. Good Yor. Happy New Year. Happy Holidays. Chag um, Sameach. And uh, again, visit my website. Learn all about spiritual direction. Maybe I'm the person that you're somehow meant to find and work with. Maybe I'm, maybe, maybe I'm the person that can guide you and that can help you connect spiritually to your own path and to understand your life better. So check it out and, um, see you next week. Good Shabbos. Bye.